Passengers with twelve hours of good weather behind them were beginning to feel confident, and at eight o'clock that night the main dining room was filled with people eating and drinking with the assured, complacent air of seasoned sailors. The meal was not half over when the passengers became aware, by the slight friction between their bodies and the seats of their chairs, that the big ship had actually started rolling again. It was very gentle at first, just a slow, lazy leaning to one side, then to the other. But it was enough to cause a subtle, immediate change of mood over the whole room. A few of the passengers glanced up from their food, hesitating, waiting, almost listening for the next roll, smiling nervously, little secret glimmers of apprehension in their eyes. Some were completely unruffled. Some were openly smug, a number of the smug ones making jokes about food and weather in order to torture the few who were beginning to suffer. The movement of the ship then became rapidly more and more violent, and only five or six minutes after the first roll had been noticed, she was swinging heavily from side to side, the passengers bracing themselves in their chairs, leaning against the pull as in a car cornering. At last, the really bad roll came, and Mr. William Bottibol, sitting at the purser's table, saw his plate of poached turbot with hollandaise sauce sliding suddenly away from under his fork. There was a flutter of excitement, everybody reaching for plates and wine glasses. Mrs. Renshaw, seated at the purser's right, gave a little scream and clutched that gentleman's arm. "'Going to be a dirty night,' the purser said, looking at Mrs. Renshaw. I think it's blowing up for a very dirty night. There was just the faintest suggestion of relish in the way he said it. A steward came hurrying up and sprinkled water on the tablecloth between the plates. The excitement subsided. Most of the passengers continued with their meal. A small number, including Mrs. Renshaw, got carefully to their feet and threaded their ways with a kind of concealed haste between the tables and through the doorway. Well the purser said. There she goes. He glanced around with approval at the remainder of his flock, who were sitting quiet, looking complacent, their faces reflecting openly that extraordinary pride that travellers seemed to take in being recognised as good sailors. When the eating was finished and the coffee had been served, Mr. Bottibol, who had been unusually grave and thoughtful since the rolling started, suddenly stood up and carried his cup of coffee around to Mrs. Renshaw's vacant place next to the purser. He seated himself in her chair, then immediately leaned over and began to whisper urgently in the purser's ear. "'Excuse me,' he said. "'But could you tell me something, please?' The purser, small and fat and red, bent forward to listen. "'What's the trouble, Mr. Bottibol?' What I want to know is this. The man's face was anxious, and the purser was watching it. What I want to know is, will the captain already have made his estimate on the day's run? You you know, for the auction pool. I mean...